Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, across all time and space, and whatever interdimensional frequencies and wavelengths you might be tuning in today to the latest episode of the Mental Pop Podcast brought to you by Primordial Productions. My name is Matt, and I'll be your host today, and I encourage you to go check out the new mentalpop.space, that's www.mentalpop.space, for all of the previous episodes of this podcast, as well as my little blog, which I update over there uh, every few days, uh, where I talk about whatever rambling, rants, and thoughts uh, that might be spilling out of my head at any given time. And if you want to leave me a voice message, you can simply click on the microphone icon and leave me a 90-second clip. Or if you have suggestions for guests on this show, or would like to be featured yourself, or if you're a musician and would like your original music feature here, please feel free to drop me a line and say hello. Once again, the new website for this podcast and much more is at mentalpop.space. Feedback and constructive criticism is always appreciated. And if you appreciate this podcast uh, and what I provide on the website or on social media, uh, I hope you'll uh, be sure to give it a like, say hello, and share these episodes with people who you think might take something positive out of them. Not trying to sell anything or make any money from this, at least not at this point. Uh, So the best way to let me know that you appreciate this is to drop a line or share a link. And to be noted, this week marks Free Speech Week, which was established in 2005 and is celebrated uh, every year in the third week of October. So be sure to get out there and exercise your freedom of speech and make sure you have something to say and something to say that challenges the BS barriers and fact checkers and the goons on social media that want to flag, block, and ban anybody who thinks independently or speaks out against the mainstream narrative. Uh, So be sure to celebrate Freedom of Speech Week this week and make a statement. I'm going to jump right into the theme of today's uh, episode, and that is both a disgusting and infuriating topic, as well as a controversial topic. And that is in the stats, facts, and figures in regard to human trafficking, and in particular, missing children cases in the U.S. and around the world. And right off the bat, some of the information in today's episode is going to be dark and troubling. Uh, So if this isn't a topic that you wish to think about right now, I understand that. Uh, But I do implore you to research into this topic further uh, when you're feeling up to the task, if you haven't already. And folks, I'm urging everyone out there who might be listening today to keep an open mind and not judge one way or the other about the depth and scope of this topic. Uh, Try to disconnect uh, the emotional response. And let's take this a piece at a time. Uh, Because I want the actual truth here, not propaganda from one side or the other, uh, nor a reactionary emotional response. And all we can do here is analyze the facts and stats as they are available and not just give in to speculation, though it's easy to do. And if I do engage in any speculation today, I'll be sure to separate that from the actual facts and stats as they are available to us. Uh, So please forgive me as I have to emotionally detach Uh, from the ramifications of this uh, topic and this information. And I'll just be dealing in statistics and figures, though I'm definitely not trying to marginalize these victims as nothing more than statistics. Now, I'm not new to the game uh, of research and conspiracy theories, uh, so-called conspiracy theories, and this topic, uh, the topic of missing children in the the United States, uh, first gained my suspicions uh, over 15 years ago. I was collecting information, and I ran across a startling statistic from the official website for missing and exploited children that stated that about 2,000 children uh, went missing every single day in the United States, and that while half of them were later found with a family member or merely uh, run away from home, 
The other half of them were never found, which led to the staggering statistic that 365,000 kids went missing just in the United States annually, never to be seen or heard from again. And I should mention that an ABC News article from 2013 further highlighted this fact of uh, around 800,000 missing kids in the U.S. every year, uh, which is likely where most people themselves came up with this information of 800,000 kids when they were sharing the hashtag save the children like crazy last year. And who sponsored the popularity of that hashtag uh, trend on Twitter and Instagram? It was none other than a massive donation by Jeff Epstein's buddy, Bill Gates. Uh, but that's not where I'm trying to take this today, though we'll definitely be talking about Epstein later in this episode. But the fact that Bill Gates had made a huge donation to the Save the Children Fund uh, shortly before the hashtag started trending is rather ironic. And of course, a lot of folks caught on to this and then uh, changed it, uh, changed the hashtag to something else, uh, Save Our Children and other variations to try to get away from any connection to Bill Gates. And sadly, a lot of foul human beings on Instagram were just using the hashtag Save the Children to post selfies of themselves in red, white, and blue bikinis, uh, sitting by a swimming pool and holding up a Trump in 2020 sign. I can't tell you how many chicks on Instagram were using the hashtag just to post selfies while holding Trump signs, and how many QAnon dudes were using it to lead people back to flat earth theories, and yes, of course, Trump support and talks of the storm that was coming. Just wait for it. Wait for it. Wait a little longer. Can you hear it? It sounds like Rocky Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions is the new national anthem. Now, we're going to dig into this a little deeper. It's been 15 years uh, since I first ran across that information of 800,000 missing kids, 365,000 kids that were never found again. So we're going to try to get to the bottom of this issue, though it's a near impossibility, as it's very shadowy and secretive and hard to define. And let me mention, too, that the statistic of 800,000 missing kids a year and half of them never found, uh, let me relay here that the Center for Missing and Exploited Children at the time was also pushing for RFID chips on children in order to better keep track of kids that might go missing. Uh, so that very well could have been a factor in the revelation that 365,000 kids were never seen or heard from again every year in the United States. I'm open-minded to the possibility that the number of missing kids who are never found may have been exaggerated in order to stir up fear for parents to get their kids RFID tagged or for people to donate more money to the organization. I'm not trying to be an asshole in stating this, but it's a little sad and shameful to me that the ABC News article stating 800,000 kids went missing in the U.S. every year was published in 2013. And I myself ran across this information probably around oh, 2005. So why did it take until the year 2020 for this topic to gain any traction on social media and become a trending topic? I'm not saying it's a bad thing that the topic gained more attention. Though I think it's become muddled with disinformation. And we're going to talk about that today's, in today's episode as well. Uh, trying to separate facts from speculation. But it's just ridiculous that it took damn near 20 years for anybody to notice the information that was already available on this topic. And what did it become? It became a political slogan for the Trump campaign. And to you 90% of people out there who were sharing hashtag save the children and hashtag save our children last year, I ain't mad at you. I know the majority of people were actually trying to raise awareness and demand some justice. I just personally don't trust 
the mechanisms behind making those hashtag, hashtags so popular in the later half of 2020, because like I said, the waters got muddied instead of becoming more provable and clear. There was a whole lot of murky clouds surrounding 2020, coming from both the mainstream and alternative. And just this generation of instantaneous sharing of memes and a lot of quote-unquote facts that are shared 50,000 times with anybody actually fact-checking it. And this murky confusion is still ongoing. And the powers that be are definitely benefiting from the murky confusion that has overtaken a vast swath of the American people. But once again, I know this is a, a topic of great interest and controversy. And lo and behold, there are many conflicting reports and information about this situation on the, on the planet Earth. Uh, not just in the U.S., uh, but globally. So I'm going to do my best to investigate here and get to a little bit of truth and perspective with my humble and meager skills of deduction. And hopefully, despite the terrible and tragic nature of this topic, uh, there just might be some good news with all this. I'm taking bits and pieces of information from various sources today to try and put together a clearer picture and understanding of what we're dealing with. Uh, but that being said, please keep in mind, none of the information I'm pulling today is from what might be considered fringe conspiracy websites, and all of these stats come from what is believed to be reputable sources, uh, such as the Center for Missing and Exploited Children, uh, governmental agencies, the information they've been tracking, keeping uh, available, or uh, non-for-profit organizations, which are fighting and exposing the phenomena of human trafficking. And we can say we don't want to trust the stats uh, from the UN or from governmental agencies. Uh, but I'm sorry, that's really all we have to go on from any sources that would be considered reputable or having the resources and capabilities to monitor this global epidemic. I trust nothing, or at least very little. Uh, but we have to start somewhere. We have to have a reference point that can be used to compile the evidence. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and trust the stats as they're being uh, referenced today. Though I'm also hopefully going to be asking some important questions in regards to the discrepancies between these facts and figures. Unfortunately, all we can do is use this, uh, the official information which is provided in order to try and get a clearer picture. Otherwise, all we're dealing with is speculation and conjecture. And of course, again, I highly encourage anyone listening today to dig into this uh, topic further. But please do your best to deal with facts that can be backed up from multiple sources and not just some dude with a flashy YouTube video and ominous music and QAnon type of information uh, with a lot of stuff that's pretty much been debunked at this point as total fabrication or speculation or sensationalism just for the sake of getting more likes and followers. Let's try and park the clouds to see through the fog and confusion that is parading and parading loudly as the truth. Guys, I'm not trying to trigger anybody here. Uh, but I'm going to have to mention Trump and QAnon a few times today on this episode uh, just because of the info we're dealing with and how it and Q uh, were tied to the Trump presidency. I'm sorry, I'm not a Trump supporter or a supporter of QAnon. So if that's a deal breaker, uh, well, I guess, uh, unfortunately, you can stop listening right here because we're not capable of carrying on an adult conversation without needing to insert some fake left versus right mentality. I think politics absolutely sucks. I think most politicians suck. Biden sucks. Pelosi sucks. And I'm mainly reaching out today to those people, those folks out there who've already figured that out and aren't plugged into the false paradigm of left versus right politics and black and white and red and blue and who aren't blind to the extremely suspicious associations and activities of Trump over the course of his career. Am I going to accuse Trump of anything 
other than having some very suspicious connections during this episode? No. Am I going to accuse his supporters of anything during this episode? Also no. And I want to stress, I'm talking about the QAnon types of supporters, not the average American citizens who voted for Trump. I have plenty of friends and family who voted for Trump, who didn't follow any of the QAnon stuff at all. And I would say that probably the majority of Trump supporters had nothing to do with QAnon. I'm not dissing QAnon necessarily. I just kind of think they've done more harm than good in a whole lot of ways. And especially in regards to this topic in particular, human trafficking. It's too important of an issue to let some extremist wackadoos hijack it with half-truths. But let's get back to the point of this episode, which is human trafficking and missing children. And I apologize that I had to preface a few things before we continue. This is one of those pieces that's a bit conflicting in nature, which makes me question just what we're able to trust. Uh, But the reports in the United States for missing children every year ranges from 400,000 to 600,000 to 840,000. So anywhere from 400,000 to 840,000 kids are reported missing every year in the U.S. And to be noted, it's believed that due to the atmosphere of COVID-19, that the rates of human trafficking and underage sexual exploitation of minors has increased in the past couple of years. Isn't it funny that it seems almost every bad thing has increased since COVID started? Starvation rates, depression rates, suicide rates, obesity rates, uh, alcohol abuse rates, drug addiction rates and overdoses, unemployment rates, rates of homelessness, the rate of small independent businesses closing, human trafficking rates. Be sure to wear that mask, get those shots and do your part. The rate of missing children reported in the U.S. is about one every 90 seconds. And again, we're trying to be focused here. So it must also be stated that the consensus is that a majority of these abductions come from family members, uh, usually over custody battles, or are runaways and are later reported to have been found. Of the abductions of children in the U.S., roughly 5,000 a year are abductions from complete strangers, with 20% being little boys, 80% being little girls, and 20% of them only discovered after they have been murdered. So right off the bat, That's 20% of 5,000 child abductions, which are from a stranger, which is sadly a total of 1,000 children a year in the U.S. who are violently violently killed due to abduction by a stranger. And and this is the official information and statistics there. And by the way, I can't find any data on how many of those 1,000 child murders are solved, uh, but we can only hope that a majority of them at least get some kind of justice. And before we move forward, it should be noted that a great deal of missing children are runaways. And it's estimated that one in seven runaways will end up a victim of sex trafficking situations. Now, here's the good news, if we accept it and believe it. Over the past 30 years, the recovery rate for missing children in the U.S. has gone from 60% recovered to a 97% rate of recovery due to advancements in technology and more assets at the disposal of the agencies responsible for finding all those missing kids. Uh, so if we're to look at the worst case scenario for missing children in the U.S., we're looking at 840,000 kids annually and a 97% rate of recovery or at least uh, finding the body of the deceased so they are no longer considered missing, uh, which would leave us with uh, 25,200 kids that go missing in the U.S. every year, never to be seen or heard from again. Now, that's still a lot of kids, uh, but 25,200 is much smaller than the 365,000 statistic that I first ran across 15 years ago. 
And I'm not trying to inflate information here or slant things to try and prove that there's an underground cabal of elite blood-drinking pedophiles. Uh, so let's take it down a notch and consider the conservative statistics that 400,000 kids go missing every year in the U.S. Uh, with a 97% recovery rate. Now, that would take the numbers down to 12,000 kids that are never found every year. And there are some reports, and I even remember seeing some fake news flags from last year, stating that the truth of the matter is that actually under 1,000 kids actually go missing in the U.S. annually, never to be found. Uh, so what I'm getting at here is that uh, while I'm trying to do my best to figure out uh, what the truth is, there are conflicting reports. And 400,000 missing kids per year compared to 840,000 is a very wide margin of error uh, based on which sources of information you decide to run with. I'm trying to get through the confusion and get a better understanding of the extent of this situation and this epidemic and how many kids in the U.S. are truly considered missing. And that is to say, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the rate of children who are abducted and never seen again in the United States. Uh, but let's broaden the scope and look at a bigger picture here. It's estimated that globally, annually, there are about 21 million victims of human trafficking from all age groups. Uh, that makes more modern era slaves in the world than the entire population of New York, Los Angeles, and London combined. And again here uh, is where the stats really make me question exactly what we're dealing with and what exactly we're able to trust. I'm not trying to sow seeds of doubt with any of these official statistics, just to say there's a very wide discrepancy uh, depending on where the information is coming from. Uh, that information that I just relayed, that there are 21 million victims of human trafficking globally, uh, comes from an organization that's been around for 50 years, and which can be found at worldschildren.org. Yet, uh, according to the International Labor, uh, Labor Organization, uh, the estimates uh, that there are 40 million victims of human trafficking globally. 40 million, not 21 million, uh, with 81% of them uh, being trapped in forced labor, 75% are women and girls. One in four victims of human trafficking is a child. According to the UN, 79% uh, of people who are trafficked globally are sex workers or sexually abused. And 25% of trafficking victims are under the age of 18. So I'm getting two uh, differing reports. There are actually other estimates out there as well that global human trafficking is anywhere from 21 million people to 40 million people. And as with the reports of missing kids in the U.S. Uh, being anywhere from 400,000 to 800,000 plus, these margins are just too damn wide not to raise my suspicions and ask some questions. It's kind of like the weatherman saying there's a 50-50% chance of rain. Okay, so what do we choose to believe here? That 21 million people globally are sex trafficked or 40 million people globally? I'm just going to decide to split the difference and say 30 million people globally are slaves in human trafficking rings. Now, okay, think about that. 30 million people globally uh, going by what most people would consider to be reputable sources are being trafficked on this planet any given year uh, with an estimated one in four, 25% of them being children and 79% of those trafficked uh, being exploited for sex. And to put that in perspective of media hype, Globally, so far, COVID in 20 months has supposedly killed 4.5 million people. Yet 30 million people are now, for all intents and purposes and classifications, considered as being slaves on this planet against their will, with 7.5 million of them being children. And this has been going on for decades and decades to extremely little media coverage and very little public outrage. Is It, it is uh, right and justified to ask, where is the media attention and who are they trying to protect? 
by not shouting from the rooftops the fact that 30 million people and 7.5 million children are now being bought and sold as human slaves across the globe. I understand it's a tough issue that the majority of people don't want to talk about or even think about. There's obviously a reason people don't want to think about this and don't really want to know about it. Uh, But in my mind, this issue is as big as climate change or any other issue that gets pumped through the mainstream media 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with billions and billions of dollars in taxpayer money funneled into these bills to supposedly fight climate change. Where are our priorities as a species? Uh, This is a difficult topic and one that's hard to talk about and to grasp, uh, but which uh, must be examined by every single person on this planet. We can't help but to ask, uh, where is the integrity of the media? which should be doing much, much, much more to raise awareness about these issues. Out of every 1,000 people on the planet, 5.4 of them are trapped in sex trafficking or human trafficking across the globe. Slavery. A 2019 report from the U.S. State Department found that the top three nations of human trafficking victims were the United States, Mexico, and the Philippines. Yes, according to a 2019 report that appeared on Fox News and elsewhere, the United States was again ranked as one of the worst countries in the world for human trafficking, stating that the origin for victims of human trafficking ranked highest in the U.S., Mexico, and the Philippines. And according to various sources, the total revenue generated by human trafficking across the globe on an annual basis is over $150 billion. Human trafficking earns profits of roughly $150 billion a year for traffickers, according to an ILL, uh, ILO report from 2014. Uh, the following is a breakdown of profits by sector. Uh, $99 billion from commercial sexual exploitation. $34 billion in construction, manufacturing, mining, and utilities. $9 billion in agriculture, including forestry and fishing. $8 billion is saved annually by private households that employ domestic workers Uh, under conditions of forced labor. Modern-day slavery with a profit margin of $150 billion annually. Uh, So let's look at that. Uh, We're going to accept that roughly 30 million people are victims of human trafficking across the globe and that about 25% of them, one in four, are under the age of 18. Uh, So that's about 7.5 million children who are victims of human trafficking on this planet, uh, with the majority of that uh, used for sex And to be stated uh, with this, a large part of human trafficking also involves forced marriages. And if we were to go on the high end of the statistic of 40 million people on this planet who are being trafficked instead of 30 million, uh, that of course makes up 10 million of them who are children. Now, where are these kids coming from? I just mentioned that according to the State Department, the United States is one of the top three countries uh, where human trafficking is most prevalent. Uh, And if you, you really wouldn't think that, would you? I mean, I guess the United States is a major hub of world travel, but when you think of all the places in the world where human trafficking and sex trafficking were most prevalent, you really wouldn't want to believe that the U.S. uh, wasn't one of them, right? Uh, But I guess that would be a little bit naive to hope for. And we can't go on a state-by-state basis here because that would take up the whole episode. And keep in mind, this is only what is reported, uh, but let's take uh, just a little look at California, since Hollywood is Always a key place that comes to mind when we think about pedophilia and sexual abuse and misconduct. 
Of the 705 cases of human trafficking in California reported during uh, 2017, uh, 226 involved minors. Uh, this is lower than previous years, which was 405 in 2016, 320 in 2015, and 296 in 2014. In Los Angeles, the average age of the first encounter with trafficking is 12 to 14 years old and 11 to 13 years of age for girls and boys, respectively. And they have a seven-year life expectancy after their first encounter with sex trafficking. Additionally, homeless youth and foster kids have an increased risk of being subjected to trafficking. Uh, for example, 58% of sex trafficked girls in Los Angeles County in 2012 were foster kids. And again, this is only what had been reported in California these years. And unfortunately, we have to consider foster kids in all of this sickness. And once again, folks, the information is different depending on where you look. But all of the info I'm getting today comes from what would be considered uh, legitimate sources for information. Uh, the following statistic comes from humantraffickingsearch.org from 2013 and is entitled U.S. Foster Care System, a Breeding Ground for Human Trafficking. Half of all human trafficking victims are minors. And slavery dot, uh, slaverynomore.org states that 70% of these minors are children in the foster care system. Uh, foster Focus Magazine, an online publication devoted to the U.S. foster care system, places that number even higher at 80%. In a report by the state government of Connecticut, 86% of victims rescued from domestic minor sex trafficking in 2011 had been involved with child welfare services in some manner and may have been victimized while in foster care or residential placement. These statistics are especially disturbing since there are an estimated 300,000 children involved in underage domestic sex trafficking in the United States. And let me stop right here and state that that number of 300,000 kids being sexually exploited in the, in the, in the United States, uh, it first originated from a 2001 uh, CBS News article uh, and has since been fact-checked and labeled as bogus or partially true. Uh, but that stat first appeared in a CBS News article from 20, uh, from 2001. And let me quote the following from the article, uh, the study titled, um, the commercial sex, uh, the commercial sexual exploitation of children in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. A recent study found gaps in policies and services intended to combat sexual exploitation of children and help the victims. One in 100 children are victims of prostitution, pornography, and other forms of commercial sex. For the project, researchers selected 28 cities and three countries uh, based on their size and for being known as having problems with the commercial sexual exploitation of children. 17 cities in the United States were chosen. Uh, the researchers examined public records and interviewed about 1,000 children, law enforcement officials, and human services groups. Uh, they used previous data and field research from 288 uh, federal and local agencies to extrapolate their findings to the U.S. population. So while other sources have questioned this number of 300,000 uh, sexually exploited children in the U.S., and that does seem like a high number, uh, the CBS News article itself is still available online, and it has never been retracted. Uh, but to be noted, the data and research is from the 1990s and published in 2001. And a state of the recovery rate for missing children in the U.S. has supposedly gone from 60% to 97% recovery rate over the past 30 years. Uh, so it's hard to say how reliable uh, this data is in 2021, but 300,000 sexually exploited kids in the U.S. Uh, was the best estimate based on research from 2001. 
And the following comes from the non-for-profit group GenJustice, G-E-N, justice.org, and states, The number of children who have disappeared from the nation's foster care system has more than doubled in the past six years, according to a just-released GenJustice issue brief. And disappearing and dying, GenJustice CEO Darcy Olson and Chief Counsel Rebecca Masterson uh, detailed this national crisis and recommended reforms for lawmakers. Quote, the fact is there is little effort to locate missing foster children and even less hope of recovering them, said, said Masterson. On average, uh, on an average day, 55 children disappear from U.S. foster care systems. An unknown number of the missing are taken and trafficked by pedophiles while other missing children are killed. Traffickers know that children who go missing from foster care probably will not be searched for. A fact shared before Congress by Withelma Pettigrew, who went missing from foster care when she was just 10 years old. Kidnapped by a predator, he raped, beat, and sold her for sex. Quote, no one looks for us, Pettigrew testified. I really want to make this clear. No one looks for us. Thanks in part to Pettigrew's testimony, federal law in 2014 required states to report missing children uh, from the foster care system. Uh, But for most foster children, searches still are either non-existent or totally ineffective. 20,000 kids disappear from foster care per year. And how pitiful is it that it took until 2014 for there to be a federal law requiring states to report missing children from foster care? Let's move away for a moment uh, from the missing children from the foster care system and let's focus on the rates of missing children in general from across the globe. Uh, Let's break this down a little bit more. 112,000 children are reported missing in the UK every year. In the European Union, 250,000 kids go missing every year. In India, one child goes missing every eight minutes. And uh, they don't report it too well over there partly because of their huge population levels, Uh, but it's estimated that millions of kids go missing in India every year. 70,000 go missing every year in China, uh, though many agencies believe the number is closer to 200,000. In Canada, about 45,000 kids are reported missing. In Australia, 20,000 kids are reported missing. In Germany, 100,000 kids are reported missing. In Spain, 20,000 kids are reported missing. In Africa, 20,000 kids are reported missing every year. In South Africa, a child goes missing every eight hours, and roughly 23% of them are never found. And again, as with the United States, most of these countries state that the majority of the children are later found, uh, were abducted by a family member, usually in a custody battle, or are themselves uh, runaways. Uh, but if we're estimating that 7.5 million to 10 million kids are in human trafficking uh, situations as we speak, just where are the kids coming from? If places like the U.S., which is still in the top three nations for human trafficking, if they state that 97% of kids are reported missing every year are later found, then where are they coming from? And folks, I also want to highlight something here. We basically, we've just been talking about kids so far. Highlighting kids because they are the most vulnerable and it's the most enraging when they are being exploited in human trafficking situations. Uh, but we're still talking about tens of millions of adults that go missing as well and who are stuck in modern-day situations of slavery. And to be considered an adult in this situation, in many cases, it's still kids of the age of 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 or whatever. But my point is, yes, we need to focus on the situation of minors being involved with all this, but also not forget about the nameless and faceless adults who are also trapped in these situations by the tens of millions of people all around the world. We cannot forget that adults 
are also being bought and sold in the 21st century. So, okay, I'm not sure if we've really gotten any good news here at all, other than if we believe the information is being reported that compared to 30 years ago, when only 60% of these cases of missing kids were solved, now due to new technology and better methods of recovery, up to 97% of reports of missing kids are being solved in the United States. I'd like to believe that. I'd like to believe that that's good news, even though it's still bad news. Uh, but let's also consider a few other scenarios uh, that we must deal with. And while this is some speculation, I also think it's highly likely and relevant uh, when discussing this topic. Uh, what about the kids that are sold into slavery, uh, human trafficking, sex slavery by a parent or guardian who does not report the child missing? Uh, this would be a completely nameless and faceless disappearance that we have no record of or idea of how many kids that might be. Or what about more or less uh, cult groups that we know are out there who raise children basically to be sex slaves? We know such groups do exist. And once again, we really have no idea on how to gauge that with any definable number or statistic. And another scenario is sex slaves who are being used to breed more sex slaves. Not to sound sensational there or too speculative, but uh, people who are themselves slaves and breeding slaves which for as terrible and disgusting as that sounds, is probably also a very likely scenario. And then one that we have to absolutely no way uh, to get a handle on, what kind of numbers or stats we might be considering there. Uh, we talked about a large percentage, particularly of girls and women being sold off as brides. Is it also too hard to think that their offspring might not just be continuing this legacy of slavery and human trafficking? I could totally see people who are in the business of breeding slaves. Humans have always been in the business of breeding slaves. So are we getting an uproar and enraged about the number of missing kids in the U.S. every year? We must consider the very real possibility that out of the 7.5 million kids who are currently slaves to human trafficking, perhaps only a small percentage of those kids are actually truly missing in the direct sense of the word uh, as we think about it, in terms of being abducted off the streets or from out of their homes by a stranger. Yes, I'm sure, of course, uh, there probably are hundreds, if not thousands, of innocent children who are abducted every year in the U.S. and sold to the highest bidder. Perhaps, perhaps we're looking at something even more wicked and insidious, with the possibility that a good chunk of the children who are victims of human trafficking are actually born into it, or sold into it by a parent or guardian, and thus never reported missing, or even possibly having a paper trail or an actual identity or a birth certificate. True slaves, born slaves, and all they ever know is slavery. Seems obvious that the foster care system also plays a huge part in all of this, uh, though I'm not accusing the foster care system on whole as itself being evil or for the sole purpose of human trafficking. But the foster care system would seem to be a large proponent of the global buying and selling of children. So I don't know, everybody, well, I'm still uh, highly suspicious and skeptical and question the stats and facts and figures and who this might all be protecting uh, by it getting virtually no media coverage. And while it's widely believed that at least 30 million people and at least 7.5 million children are currently victims of human trafficking, and while we know that the business of human trafficking has over $150 billion in revenue annually, uh, maybe, just maybe, we can hope to see uh, beyond that and believe there is a silver lining in the fact that perhaps... 97% of all reports of missing children in the U.S. are later found or the case is solved one way or the other. Uh, that's at least what the available information is trying to tell us. And they say back in 1990 that only roughly 60% of cases were solved. Um, that probably 
goes along with the information I first ran into over 15 years ago that stated only half of the cases of missing children were solved, which led to the massive and staggering number of 365,000 missing kids in the U.S. every year. Perhaps technology and the budget and agencies and means to find human traffickers and break up human trafficking rings has gotten much better over the past several decades. And now we truly are dealing with a much smaller rate of actual missing children in the U.S. who are abducted off the streets. If so, that's good news. Uh, But what are we really dealing with? Because that's the information I find conflicting. Is it only uh, 1,000 kids a year in the U.S.? Is it 12,000? Is it 25,000? What is the actual number of kids reporting missing in the U.S. annually and the actual number that are solved? We want a happy outcome with this, but we also don't want the wool pulled over our eyes. It's hard to believe that a recovery rate for missing kids in the U.S. is 97%, but yes, we, all, we also rank in the top three countries for human trafficking. I want to see that silver lining. I don't know. I'm very skeptical of the idea that we have 800,000 reports of missing kids in the U.S. every year and that as much as 97% of it is solved. That seems highly suspicious that the rate of recovery would be so damn high. And hey, I want it to be a high rate of recovery, but I can't think of too much that the government actually accomplishes with a 97% rate of efficiency. Can you? When has the government ever been 90% efficient at anything? A little side note comes in this fact, uh, and this is not just about uh, missing children or human trafficking, uh, but of the thousands of people murdered every year in the United States, some remain unidentified. Many victims are not identified for years or even decades after they were killed, as in the case of Tammy Jo Alexander, who was murdered in 1979 and remained unidentified until 2015. Uh, Including both murder victims and those who died of other causes, about 40,000 bodies remain unidentified in the United States. 40,000 human remains in the United States over the past several decades remain unidentified. Talk about slipping through the cracks. And not to beat you over the head with this number, but it's an important number to remember. Uh, We know for a fact, one way or the other, 7.5 million kids a year from around the world is happening. We don't seem to have any firm grasp on exactly where all those kids are coming from. And of course, we have to question everything. How do they know for certain that we're dealing with 7.5 million kids who are trapped in global sex trafficking rings? That's an estimation. Uh, But all we can do is take that information and run with it because it's the information that's available to us. I'm not going to assume anything or be too speculative on today's episode when dealing with this topic. And like I already said, I'm trying not to be too emotionally involved here either. I know this is a very difficult subject, and that's why it's taken me 15 episodes uh, for me to even try to tackle this issue. And because it's difficult to think about and articulate, human trafficking has only been on the increase over the past 30 years. And uh, I'm talking about uh, not third world countries here. I'm talking about the good old U.S. of A. and its allies. And that being said, uh, stating that I'm not going to assume or be speculative, I'm also not going to get into topics like the elite supposedly being addicted to adrenochrome or the QAnon attack of Wayfair last year. And screw Wayfair. I don't give a shit about Wayfair. Uh, But I also don't really believe they were selling kids online for anyone to find and for the whole world to see. Is it possible? Why, sure. Anything's possible. But you know what also uh, could be possible there? A whole lot of other possibilities as to what the whole thing with Wayfair was really about. For one thing, uh, any business or business entity can start an account on Wayfair and sell whatever they want. It's just as easy for me to believe that QAnon posted its own suspicious items on Wayfair just to expose it as being part of the blood-drinking, adrenochrome-addicted cabal of shape-shifting, deep-state reptilian pedos, and why, of course, only Donald Trump can save us from. 
Anyway, I'm not going to talk about adrenochrome in connection with this, uh, the topic of human trafficking, or Tom Hanks being a, accused of pedophilia, or Ellen DeGeneres being a pedo, or any number of celebrities, all of them which happen to be vocal Democrats, by the way. Uh, because honestly, folks, I'm just not seeing that as real news or information. Of course, I'm open to that idea. And I can't say it would be all too shocking or surprising if we found that some of these well-known celebrities were indeed pedophiles and involved in human trafficking. Uh, but please believe me when I say I, I have researched this thoroughly. And in my estimation, I see no validity that Tom Hanks or Ellen or Oprah or a dozen other names that keep coming up uh, are pedophiles addicted to adrenaline uh, of dying children. Uh, nor did I buy into the Pizzagate scandal or mothers who then wanted to boycott everything uh, that was related to pizza. People were accusing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of being reptilians and the sewer being symbolic of a sex dungeon and the fact that they loved pizza was proof uh, that it was promoting pedophilia. How insane is that? Beware of seeing secret messages in your alphabet soup. And if we're going to believe that pizza is a secret message for pedophilia, well, hey, guess what? Donald Trump did a Pizza Hut commercial in 1995 and appeared in several advertisements for Pizza Hut. And people might say I'm ill-informed, or got my head in the sand, or that I'm a sheeple, and probably even say that I'm part of the conspiracy itself because I'm not buying into very much of this shit. I'm not buying the idea that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are promoting child abuse, or that anything related to pizza should be boycotted. I actually had people last year online accuse me of being a pedophile because I said I wasn't buying into any of the things that I just mentioned, like celebrities addicted to adrenochrome or Pizzagate, and because I was speaking out against Donald Trump. These same people then accused me of being a Satanist because I disagreed with these topics or had my own opinions and viewpoints. Of course, this is only after accusing me of being a libtard, crybaby, snowflake communist, and then I better get used to four more years of Trump, and then eight years of his son, and eight years of his daughter as president. And these are the same people who were and are still talking about the storm that's supposed to come and arrest and execute all pedophiles in government in Hollywood, headed up by, you guessed it, uh, none other than the great Christian savior, Donald Trump, as he rides in on his white horse, uh, shirtless, and with his giant greased and tan muscles glistening in the sunlight, waving an American flag and wearing a crown of thorns. It sounds like I'm being facetious there, but uh, there's actually a whole lot of fan art out there, painting Trump as a Christian savior on a white horse, or even Zeus throwing lightning bolts down from the heavens on his enemies. And not as a parody, but from people who actually believe this shit, that Trump was going to save us from the Satanists and the New World Order. I still see people saying, wait for it, wait for it, trust the plan, man, the storm is coming, Trump will be reinstated. Man, oh man, these people are goobers. Not even getting on this topic, uh, we really want to talk about uh, pedos. Uh, look very hard at Donald Trump. And no, I'm not talking about the relationship he had with Jeffrey Epstein. I'm talking about a half dozen other close business dealings and relations that Trump had with accused and convicted pedophiles over the course of his career. Goddamn Alan Dershowitz was his lawyer during the impeachment trial. Donald Trump has more six degrees of pedophilia than pretty much any other major politician I can think of. Am I saying that Trump is a pedophile? No. No, I'm not saying that. Though, as with anything else, it really wouldn't be all that surprising. Trump has had more connections to pedos, more inappropriate comments of underage girls, more reports and allegations of inappropriate sexual conduct, and more rape allegations than pretty much any other politician I can think of. Bill Clinton is the only other one that seems even more pervy and questionable, uh, who, thanks the heavens, was just released from the hospital just a few short days ago. Him and Colin Powell shared bunk beds. Speaking of Colin Powell, uh, isn't it funny that 
while also battling blood cancer and having Parkinson's disease and being in his 80s, uh, they stated his complications from COVID, which were somehow attributed to his cause of death. Uh, Powell, who was fully vaccinated, by the way, if he had died five years ago while battling blood cancer and Parkinson's disease and he'd had the flu, would they have said that he died from complications from the flu? Probably not. But anyway, while I can speculate and provide evidence and information, I have never, nor would I uh, come out and say that Trump uh, is a pedophile, nor would I say Biden is, uh, because he likes to sniff little kids and inappropriately touch everyone in his general vicinity. And you know why? Because I try to deal in facts and not complete speculation. A lot of people out there running with a lot of bullshit just because it was an easy-to-share meme and to feel smugly superior while trying to cancel celebrities on Twitter. Uh, please believe me when I say that over the past two years, there has been a whole lot of bullshit in the conspiracy community uh, presented as facts, well, but yet they are completely unprovable um, based on very shady evidence and mostly just speculation and accusations that, that really aren't much more than a witch hunt. You had hundreds or thousands of vocal trolls going on the Twitter accounts of celebrities accusing them of pedophilia with no evidence whatsoever other than they were doing it against Democrats and doing it in favor of Trump and his supposed coming great storm. The supposed flight log uh, that the Q-types were throwing around as being Epstein's last year, it was fake. But guess what? The real flight log is available out there, and it doesn't show 99% of the people that QAnon was attacking. And if we're going by Epstein's flight log as an indication of guilt, hey, guess what again? Trump actually was on the official flight log as well. It's funny how last year I brought up dozens of pages worth of Trump pedo connections or highly questionable comments and behavior or rape allegations and his rabid fan base who pretended that they were trying to save the children called me a liar or that it was fake news and that uh, they just outright didn't believe it. They believed that Tom Hanks was a pedo because of a weird picture he posted on his Instagram page and an accusation from an unknown actor and failed actor on YouTube. But these same people didn't believe Donald Trump was a pedo when there were literally a dozen different ways that he had been connected to it over the past 40 years. This is Alberta G. Rhythm. Congratulations, you made it to the halfway point of this episode. This is Alberta G. Rhythm. Congratulations, you made it to the halfway point of this episode. This is Alberta G. Rhythm. Congratulations, you made it to the halfway point of this episode. This is Alberta G. Rhythm. Congratulations, you made it to the halfway point of this episode. This is Alberta G. Rhythm. Congratulations, you made it to the halfway point of this episode. It's mentally ill and outright insane. And now Trump is launching a new social media site, uh, which is ironically called Truth Social. And this is despite the fact that Trump is accused of lying or making misleading statements 30,000 times over the course of his four-year presidency. And that's all. There's a whole Wikipedia page dedicated to the supposed 30,000 lies Trump told over the course of his administration. And I guarantee anybody who signs up to Truth Social and says anything negative about Trump, they're probably going to get banned and flagged and blocked just like any other social media site. Uh, the way people have been manipulated 
not only uh, by COVID over the past two years, but by many anonymous disinfo goobers in the conspiracy community that are taken as being an authority because they have 50,000 followers on Instagram and can make a flashy YouTube video uh, with cryptic messages that never come true. And people will say, but Trump gave $100 million to the agency that fights human trafficking in the U.S. He's trying to save the children. Okay, that's all well and good, but guess what? That same government agency that Trump put $100 million uh, towards in early 2020, it was started by Bill Clinton. Do we not see the irony in the fact that the government agency dedicated to stopping human trafficking in the United States, uh, which Trump gave taxpayer money to, was actually started by Bill Clinton, who, along with Hillary, is one of the names who comes up time and time again with Epstein and human trafficking and sex scandals. And likewise, $100 million really isn't all that much, as it's estimated that Trump used more taxpayer dollars than $100 million while using Air Force One to fly, uh, to fly back and forth to his private golf resorts over the four years of his presidency. Also, giving that money wasn't even Trump's idea, but something his daughter Ivanka spearheaded. I see nothing that told me that Trump was actually heading up some task force to bring about the great storm that would arrest and detain all political and Hollywood sex traffickers. And y'all, if Trump was our best chance of winning this battle, we had already lost the fight. Controlled opposition. And good people, again, if, if you were an average American Trump supporter and you voted for Trump but weren't involved with any of the QAnon stuff, then I apologize. I'm not talking about you or accusing you of anything or really trying to accuse anybody of anything. If you voted for Trump, that's fine and well and good. If there'd been a gun to my head, and I had to vote for either Trump or Biden, I would have voted for Trump as well. But most of the QAnon stuff was just sickening to behold, because I honestly don't think it was anything more than a government psyop. I remember last year there was a dude online, uh, we were debating about QAnon, and he told me, you have to trust QAnon, it comes from the government. Like, okay. And then he called me a stupid libtard crybaby snowflake. I'm getting way off topic here. I didn't intend to uh, go into any of that. Uh, my message here is this. Yes, we can say there is a huge problem with human trafficking and sex slavery and missing children. That is absolutely real and not a conspiracy. But we need to stick to facts as much as they are available and not allow ourselves to fall too deep in the waters of maybes and what-ifs and speculations and allegations and witch-hunting and easily picked apart half-truths of outright disinformation. If we really want to fight this fight and approach uh, huge issues, such as human trafficking and missing children around the world, we need to approach it with logic, rationality, and facts, and the right questions. And not just say, oh, there's a global elitist pedo ring and everybody in Hollywood are pedos, especially if they're Democrats and have vocally spoken out against Trump. And anybody who disagrees with me or voted for Biden is a pedo Satanist. Derpity derp 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 derp. You see how that type of approach just discredits the whole save the children movement. We must be more concerned with the actual truth than we are about being right all the time. Does that make any sense? I'm just trying to say deal in facts. Because they say the truth is stranger than fiction. I'm sick of muddy waters and making every person who questions this and tries to expose it look like they're wearing their Nikes and waiting for the Heaven's Gate Comet to approach. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. All too much of conspiracy theory these days is actually itself part of the psychological operation to manipulate us and uh, make honest researchers seeking truth look like morons and assholes. And myself, having been a part of the so-called truth movement uh, right after 9-11, I quickly saw how within a year... Uh, we had all these disinfo shills start infiltrating the so-called movement, uh, spreading just asinine conspiracy theories about what happened, just muddying the waters. And I'm pretty sure they probably were all, uh, you know, controlled opposition put there, placed there uh, by governmental agencies just to muddy the waters and make uh, confusion and make anybody who was researcher uh, researching these topics look like an idiot. I would say reasonably, based on actual research, That about 80% of QAnon was bullshit. And yes, I hate to say it, I ran into many folks who, while they might have been well-meaning, seemed like they were just a few steps away from putting on those Nikes, uh, cutting their dicks off, and waiting for the UFO following behind Hale-Bopp. The cult-like mentality is equally as prevalent and atrocious and harmful whether it's coming from the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle. Because they like to pretend that they're different, but it's actually the same damn aisle. And make no mistake, people can talk about the cult of Trump all they want. Uh, But the cult ideology uh, is just as strong, if not even more prevalent, on the left side of the equation. You know, I'm trying, I'm not trying to bash Trump or QAnon or question people's intelligence. I'm really not, but I just honestly see very uh, little reason uh, not to. And hey, guess what? Biden sucks too and has a 40-year career of nothing but garbage and being useless and helping to enforce bills that not only increased the militarization of the police state, uh, but also was uh, very racial and racist uh, in a lot of the bills that were passed and a lot of the statements that he's made over the past 40 years. If people haven't figured out yet that all politics sucks and no politician can be trusted, and we can't expect a politician to fix things or save us or save America, or if we really think that a president is really elected and not selected, I really don't know what to say because they're drinking the red, white, and blue Kool-Aid. And I don't mean that derogatory, but I don't see how anyone can still trust a politician in 2021. Surely we've all learned our lesson by now. I actually want the goddamn truth, at least as best as we can get to it with all the confusion that's out there. The issue of human trafficking and the sexual trafficking of millions of children is an important one, perhaps the most important one. And we must deal in facts to the best of our ability and cross-reference resources if we're ever going to actually take on this challenge of what's happening as an informed citizenry. I know we live in a world of fake news, but that doesn't mean that all news is fake. Yes, we must question science. That doesn't mean that all science is fake. Yes, we must question NASA, but that doesn't mean that all NASA does is fake. People need to stop being such extremists that things are a hard left or a hard right, and realize there's a middle ground. Life really isn't about all or nothing. Do I think there's an elite cabal of wicked pedophiles in the world? Yes, of course, I think it's very likely. Do I think there's a a pedophilia and taking advantage of actors and actresses in Hollywood, uh, like the tales of the old casting couch uh, that's been around since the dawn of Hollywood? Yes, of course, I absolutely absolutely do believe that's a thing. Harvey Weinstein is a notable example of that. Do I believe that there are groups of elite people, and even not elite people, uh, who engage in what we might consider to be uh, satanic rituals and human sacrifices? Yes, I actually believe that's happening as well. 
Do I think there's a media cover-up of this because they are protecting powerful people? Sure, I even believe that's probably true. But I don't pretend to know who these people are, nor would I just go around accusing people I don't like of being blood drinkers and baby killers. I guess I'm just extremely against a witch hunt mentality based on very little evidence. I'm sorry, but the term pedo, that's not a term that we use lightly or throw around lightly regardless of how much we dislike that actor or politician. I mean, if it's true and it's proven in court, that's one thing. But just to baselessly throw the term around is in of itself kind of disgusting and nothing more than crude slander and even a form of bullying and harassment. I try to look at it like this. If we were in a world court of law uh, based on established and agreed upon laws and procedures and evidence, you'd only want the most credible evidence and witnesses and documents and testimony. Memes and YouTube videos are not something we'd be using as proof in a court of law or random Reddit threads or anonymous posts on 4chan isn't something we'd present as evidence to a jury, right? And yes, I know, how can we even trust the court system? If we run with the assumption that all people in the top 1% are part of this conspiracy and this cover-up. I understand that argument. How can we trust anything if we're to believe that the top 1% are all either directly involved in human trafficking and trafficking or at least are profiting from human trafficking and if nothing else are remaining silent about human trafficking? I don't trust much of anything these days. But that also includes most online conspiracies. I don't trust uh, the mainstream, I really don't trust the alternative, and I don't trust every online conspiracy that comes down the pike as being truth. And hey, if it turns out these big-name celebrities are part of this giant child trafficking ring, well, let's hope and pray that it gets exposed. But we do still have a due process, and we must still try to deal in facts and not wild online speculation and easily debunked sensational conspiracies. We can't get in the mindset that we're going to storm people's homes and carry them out in the street and publicly execute them based on hearsay and rumor. For civilization to endure, it must remain civilized. Speaking of due process, and here we go. I apologize that this episode is probably going to run about an hour and a half. Uh, I'm trying to keep them down to about an hour, but there's just so much to cover with today's topic. Uh, Let's take a moment to discuss Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, My thoughts on this are that Epstein was a medium-sized fish and a middleman in a global trafficking trade. And I don't even really think it's speculation to say that, no, Epstein didn't kill himself. The evidence would suggest that it's highly doubtful Epstein killed himself and will probably never really know what happened. We also have to consider the possibility that Epstein might not even really be dead, but was just put into uh, some kind of witness relocation uh, protection program under the protection of some governmental authority somewhere in the world, most likely the Israeli Mossad. And Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, we hardly hear anything about her anymore, uh, but she's just uh, she's set to go to trial this November. And what will come from that? I highly doubt any major groundbreaking and damning information will come out of that Uh, that will implicate a global cabal of wealthy sex traffickers. Uh, But we'll have to wait and see. But it seems very unlikely that any new explosive evidence or information is going to come out uh, regarding uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's trial. Uh, But let's take uh, this to the possibility uh, that Epstein was either murdered or that maybe he's not even dead and his death was faked in order to protect some very powerful people and governmental agencies. Now, please excuse me, but I'm going to read some excerpts from a fairly lengthy article 
And this information can be found in various forms at various websites. Uh, but let us consider that Epstein, either he isn't dead or that if he was murdered, we might know who or what is behind it. And to tackle this, we need to further uh, consider the fact that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's father, Robert Maxwell, was a very high-ranking and respected member of the Israeli Mossad and Israeli intelligence forces, and is believed to have possibly been a double agent for various political intelligences. Uh, the following article is from the Times of Israel, and is from July of 2021. Title, for writer who broke Epstein case, a rumored Mossad link is worth digging into. Reporter Julie K. Brown isn't convinced that accused sex trafficker took his own life and says associate Robert Maxwell may uh, have not have been the only one tied to Israeli intelligence. Did the now-deceased disgraced financer and convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein have links to the Israeli intelligence community? An investigative reporter for the Miami Herald uh, claims that credible details making the link are not far-fetched and need to be explored in further detail and examined. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that Epstein had connections to the Israeli intelligence community, says Julie K. Brown, whose book Perversion of Justice, the Jeffrey Epstein story, was released on July 20th. Robert Maxwell certainly had those kinds of connections, and Epstein had a close relationship with Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's father. Uh, Brown keenly stresses the striking similarities between Jeffrey Epstein's death in August 2019 and Robert Maxwell's death in November of 1991. The 68-year-old British media mogul who uh, was said to have drowned after falling from his luxurious yacht, the Lady Ghislaine, uh, near the Canary Islands, uh, Spanish police insisted no foul play was suspected in Maxwell's death, but rumors about how exactly Maxwell died have never gone away. One theory points to a possible suicide. Another claims Maxwell was assassinated by the Israeli Mossad intelligence agency for which he was secretly working. Robert Maxwell is buried on Jerusalem's Mount of Olives. Uh, many members of the Israeli intelligence community attended his funeral. So too did uh, Yitzhak Shamir, Israel's then prime minister. Shamir eulogized the British tycoon uh, for the political connections he brought to Israel during the 1980s and for the money that he invested in Israel. Two years ago, while waiting trial on sex trafficking charges, 66-year-old American financer Epstein was found hanging in his cell in a metropolitan correctional center in Manhattan. Since then, numerous theories have swirled about Epstein's true cause of death, making the leap from conspiracy fodder into the cultural mainstream. According to Brown, neither the FBI nor the United States Justice Department have convinced me that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. Why would Epstein give up before he even got to court? Brown asks. She also points to a number of other murky details. Epstein breaking three bones in his neck before he died, and the fact that the two prison guards who were supposed to have been keeping a watchful eye on Epstein in his Manhattan jail cell mysteriously fell asleep at the time. Quote, it just defies common sense, Brown says. And why are U.S. authorities not making the information they do know about Epstein's death public? The Israeli Connection. One chapter in Brown's latest book argues that the complex relationship uh, Jeffrey Epstein had with the Maxwell family may provide further answers. That history stretches back to the mid-1980s when Epstein allegedly began helping Robert Maxwell hide money in numerous offshore bank accounts.
Maxwell, a self-made billionaire, was born into a poor Yiddish-speaking Orthodox Jewish family in Czechoslovakia in 1923. Maxwell lost both his parents in the Holocaust and later made his fortune in the book publishing and newspaper industries. He went on to become a uh, paramilitary, uh, paramilitary representative for Britain's Labour Party, but the final years of Maxwell's life were plagued by financial trouble and earned him the nickname the Crook of the Century. Uh, Maxwell defaulted on two billion worth of loans and subsequently uh, raided millions of pounds from his company's retirement fund, even stealing from his own staff's pensions and shares in Britain's Mirror Group as he refused to face his inevitable bank bankruptcy. Uh, following Robert Maxwell's death three decades ago, Epstein became an important figure to certain members of the Maxwell family uh, who were then left bankrupt and riddled with debt. Uh, Brown notes, for instance, that Epstein attended the event at New York's Plaza Hotel on November 21st, uh, 24th, 1991, at which the YIVO Institute of Jewish Research, Research paid tribute to Robert Maxwell. The author also speculates that Epstein may have offered financial assistance to Robert Maxwell's wife, Elizabeth, when she became a widow. Epstein then became romantically involved with Elizabeth and Robert Maxwell's ninth child, Ghislaine. Uh, known to be her father's favorite child and his most trusted confidant, Ghislaine Maxwell may have been aware of many secrets her father took to the grave relating to his controversial political, financial, and espionage life, believes Brown. A budding relationship. After her father's death, Ghislaine Maxwell moved from London to New York, uh, partially to escape all the negative publicity surrounding it, but also to reinvent herself in the city's buzzing celebrity social circle. This was a crucial component of Epstein and Maxwell's complex relationship. Uh, she connected him to powerful figures who were then beyond the reach, uh, such as the Clintons, Donald Trump, and Prince Andrew. In return, Epstein bankrolled her. Uh, Brown believes Maxwell was in love with Epstein, but Epstein manipulated her to gratify a sexual obsession he had with underage women, which the journalist describes as a sickness. Epstein was a sociopath who felt he had enough power and money to be above the law, says Brown, and he believed he was a brilliant. Uh, he believed he was brilliant enough to manipulate anyone to get what he wanted. How much money Ghislaine Maxwell had when her father died has always been a mystery, says Brown. But Maxwell enjoyed the high life and never had any real career or job, so Epstein supported her financially. Ghislaine Maxwell is currently charged in the United States with lying under oath and recruiting, grooming, and trafficking girls to be sexually abused by Epstein from the 1990s through 2004. The 59-year-old outspoken British socialite has pleaded not guilty and is presently being held in a New York prison awaiting trial, which is set to begin this coming November. If convicted, Maxwell could face up to 80 years in prison. Brown, is detailed, uh, <clears throat> Brown has a detailed understanding of how prosecutors can be corrupted in a high-profile case relating to sex trafficking accusations. Her newly released book uh, began as a three-part series of investigative articles she wrote for the Miami Herald in 2018. Uh, they exposed a secret plea deal arranged by Epstein's lawyers who undermined and manipulated the U.S. criminal justice system so their client, Epstein, could get a softer prison sentence and ultimately escape federal persecution. Uh, Brown showed uh, how back in 2007... Epstein was accused of assembling a cult-like network of underage girls with the help of young female recruiters to coerce into having sex acts behind the walls of his opulent waterfront mansion in Palm Beach, Florida, as often as three times a day. 
Brown's articles also noted how FBI and court records showed Epstein was suspected of trafficking minor girls, often from overseas, for sex parties at his other homes in Manhattan, New Mexico, and the Caribbean. And folks, uh, you can dig into this deeper, uh, but it's well known that Trump and Epstein had such private parties where they were the only ones in attendance, the only males in attendance, while young girls would parade around and model for them. If you don't believe me, you can look into that for yourself. Trump and Epstein threw private parties together. I'm not saying Trump partook in activities with underage girls, uh, but I am saying that it has been proven that Epstein and Trump held such private parties together. And how just creepy and gross is that? These two old, geezer, fat, gross-ass fucks having private parties where the two of them are just watching young and possibly underage girls parade around in their bikinis. Gross. Quote, This dark and deep obsession that Epstein had with underage women was an addiction, says Brown. And the victims I interviewed told me that if they couldn't bring him, uh, if they couldn't bring him another girl, he would get angry at them. I imagine Epstein was doing the same thing with Ghislaine Maxwell saying, you've got to bring me more girls. Based on a 53-page federal indictment, Epstein back in 2008 could have potentially ended up in a federal prison for the rest of his life. Instead, the non-prosecution agreement Epstein's lawyers secretly cut with federal prosecutors at the time shut down an ongoing FBI probe into whether there were more victims and other powerful people who took part in Epstein's sex crimes. The deal required that Epstein plead guilty to two prostitution charges in state court and agree to serve just 13 months in a county jail in Palm Beach, Florida. This essentially made the case that Epstein was only paying for sex when he actually stood accused of sexually abusing minors. Quote, to see prosecutors who are supposed to be advocating for victims work so closely with Epstein's lawyers to make this case go away is pretty surprising, says Brown. Um, jumping ahead a little bit here in the article for the sake of time. Uh, when the story broke, it led federal prosecutors in New York to open a fresh criminal investigation, which resulted in Epstein being uh, subsequently arrested and charged in the summer of 2019. It also led to R. Alexander Acosta resigning as Labor Secretary in the Trump administration in July of 2019. Crucially, Brown's story explained how Acosta had helped cut the dodgy deal with Epstein's legal team back in 2008 uh, when he was a federal prosecutor in Miami. Quote, when President Donald Trump nominated Alex Acosta to be his labor secretary in early 2017, I immediately recognized Acosta's name as being the prosecutor who was responsible for the non-prosecution deal, Brown says. And I just wondered, how do Epstein's victims feel about this? Because Acosta was responsible for the Labor Department, which supervises human trafficking and child labor laws. So you have the guy who's in charge under the, in the Trump administration, who's a, the part of the Labor Department, which supervises human trafficking and child labor laws, uh, being the prosecutor that got Jeffrey Epstein off um, when he was accused of having sex with underage girls. So you have the Trump-appointed head of the Labor Department, which supervises human trafficking, child labor laws, Alex Acosta, who was one of the goons responsible for getting Epstein off the hook back in 2008. And sure, that doesn't seem shady at all. Brown notes that Epstein's vast fortune, then estimated to be approximately $500 million, enabled him to hire a so-called legal dream team, which included lawyers such as Kenneth Starr and Alan Dershowitz, with the necessary skills, political connections, and aggressive tactics to make sure he could get immunity. 
Dershowitz has his own political connections and knows a lot of different people in the U.S. criminal justice system, says Brown. But he's also going to be watching Maxwell's forthcoming court case closely to see who she names and what information she really has. Uh, Brown's book also points to accusations uh, by Virginia Guffrey, um, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing her last name, that subsequently surfaced in connection to the Epstein case, uh, which allegedly linked Dershowitz's name to Epstein's sexual pyramid scheme. And I'm sorry here to make another Trump statement, uh, but Alan Dershowitz was also Trump's lawyer during his impeachment trial. And Virginia Guffrey is on record uh, that she regularly saw Dershowitz and Trump visiting Epstein's home, uh, though she has not accused Trump of rape like she's accused Alan Dershowitz. And yes, of course, of course, Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago and later provided evidence to the FBI uh, when they began to look into Epstein. But that doesn't change the fact that Epstein and Trump were, by all intents and purposes, friends and party buddies for well over a decade. And sources seem to indicate uh, the possibility um, that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago, not because of underage girls, but because they had a falling out over a real estate deal that they were both bidding on. But look, what's the old saying? Know them by the company that they keep. Trump's on record saying Epstein was a great guy, and he was a lot of fun to be around. And again, we're just looking at Epstein here. There are a half dozen other pedophiles convicted pedos and sex traffickers that Trump has been closely associated associated with over the course of his career. Not just his political career, uh, but going back just to real real estate uh, from the 1980s onward to today. And again, am I accusing Trump of anything? No, other than complicity. uh, But Trump didn't really seem to mind this behavior. And it didn't seem to be a deal breaker for him in terms of business associates over the past several decades. And we can say, such as Trump supporters say, uh, Trump was naive. And we can only say that so many times. And that he had no idea before we're just lying to ourselves. And when we're talking about the Mossad, the possible Mossad connections with Epstein, gee, Trump sure was really cozy with Israel while he was in office, wasn't he? In fact, Trump was, by many, considered to be the first Zionist president. Anyway, continuing on here. Other high-profile political figures named in Brown's book accused of participating in Epstein's international sex trafficking operation include allegations against Israel's 10th Prime Minister, Ehad Barak. The FBI, uh, the U.S. federal authorities, and law enforcement authorities in Europe should all be looking at the financial and social connections Epstein had with all of these people, says Brown. Epstein had a whole group of people helping him to carry out these crimes. Epstein did not do this alone, she says. There were plenty of people that either knew about what Epstein was doing or even participated in what he was doing. This was an international sex trafficking organization that was similar to an organized crime family, so it shouldn't just end with the prosecution of Ghislaine Maxwell. All right, once again, I apologize for the length of that article. Uh, There was a lot to cover there. And it needs to be noted, uh, when we're talking about Israel, throughout the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s, when Epstein was at the height of his activity, Israel consistently ranked among the worst in the world for human trafficking. Uh, And it's still not doing great. It has done better over the past decade, but it's still not doing great in regards to human trafficking. And while we really didn't get into this, if you want to dig a little deeper, please go check out, uh, go back and research reports from the past couple of years on the possibility that Jeff Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell were both Israeli spies who were running a human trafficking agency in order to blackmail high-ranking U.S. politicians as well as celebrities for the Israeli Mossad. 
And if you look at the possible Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell Mossad connections, the rabbit hole's pretty deep, and it's also pretty compelling. And again, friends, I'm not accusing Trump of anything other than either being complacent with his friendships or completely ignorant. But we don't have to try too hard to see how cozy Trump was with Israel over the course of his presidency. In Israel, they even had flags supporting Trump that said, Make Israel Great Again. And say, just how did Trump become the hero of the evangelical movement, which is so heavily focused on Israel in terms of biblical prophecy, etc., etc.? Deep, deep rabbit holes. Zionism, the Mossad, political blackmail, and a vast human trafficking network. I'm not trying to single Trump out here. I'm just saying we should trust none of these people. I honestly tend to believe that they're all actors. They're all merely puppets to the same agenda, just playing a role to make of make-believe and doing the bidding of their mega-corporate sponsors and masters, their international banking masters. Rothschilds? Uh, playing us all against each other, playing us for fools, and keeping us divided. And I know I just laid a lot out there, and surely there's much, much more we could delve into. Uh, but I'm trying to keep these podcasts uh, at least, uh, you know, close, and, close, close to an hour as I can. But hopefully there's been a lot to think about from today's episode. And to be fair, uh, President Biden also declares himself as a devout Zionist and as responsible for the largest political financial contribution of all time towards Israel while he was vice president under Obama. And he recently approved an extra two or three billion to the Israeli military. Uh, U.S. commitment to Israel right now over the next several years is around $40 billion that we're giving to Israel. So being a Zionist is one of those things that Trump and Biden both have in common. Who can be the bigger stooge for Israel and give them the most money? Are we dealing with a black male situation? When I look at Israel and Zionism on whole, I tend to think we're looking at historical bribery, which goes back hundreds or even thousands of years. And please don't mistake any of this for anti-Semitism, because it absolutely isn't. It's just asking questions, uh, which we should all be allowed to do without being labeled for a hate crime. Uh, But one last thing I couldn't at least mention in relation to this giant topic of human trafficking and sex slavery and Epstein, etc., etc., is a recent article which appeared at ABC and most major news outlets from a couple of weeks ago stating, French report, 330,000 children victims of church sex abuse. Victims of sex abuse within France's Catholic Church have welcomed a new report that says an estimated 330,000 children were sexually abused over the past 70 years. And folks, this is just a Catholic Church, the Catholic Church of France. It is estimated over the past 70 years that 330,000 kids were molested by the French Catholic Church. So let's look at the Catholic Church as whole, if this is any indication, as the world's oldest and largest continuously functioning international institution. It has played a prominent role in the history and development of Western civilization. The church consists of 24 particular churches, such as the French Catholic Church, and almost 3,500 dioceses around the world. I don't even know how to attempt to do the math there on the actual scope and enormity of what kind of sexual abuse on whole uh, might have been going on in the Catholic Church over the past hundred years. Uh, But we can go back to articles from 2012 that stated that the Catholic Church had paid out around $4 billion to victims of abuse and that just in the United States there were an estimated 100,000 victims of sexual abuse by Catholic priests. If we're looking at 300,000 just in France over the past century and 100,000 in America, 
Uh, it'd be very easy to calculate that we're probably looking at, oh, at least a couple million victims of the Roman Catholic Church in the 20th and 21st centuries. And of course, this is similar to the argument that we can say that not all cops are bad uh, because there are bad cops. But I don't know how we can excuse the fact that millions of molestations by Catholic priests over the past century and thinking that paying out $4 billion is going to fix everything. For the record, uh, some estimates have the total value and assets of the Vatican at 10 to $15 billion, and that's just the Vatican, not all the associated churches, which is listed as being incalculable as the net worth of the Roman Catholic Church as an organization across the globe. <sighs> well, we got into a lot on today's episode, uh, but unfortunately, I'm not really sure if we solved anything. Uh, I hope I provided some food for thought. Uh, was there any good news? I don't really know. It's really hard to see much good news about anything that's going on in the world today. And it's uh, really hard to trust anything that's going on. It's total media control. Total corporate and international banking dictatorship over thoughts and opinions. Total political mind control and uh, cult-like followers. I guess the statement I wanted to make today is that we need to try and deal in facts and rational and logical information as much as possible. It's all too easy to let our imaginations wander and think about the absolute worst about the situation of human trafficking and think that everybody is in on the cover-up and that every elite is profiting off of human trafficking and the media is hiding it from the public. I'm sure there is some of that going on, but I'm just urging people to deal in facts as much as possible if they really want to take on the subject of informing others, informing themselves, and raising their voices. These days, people should be just as suspicious of alternative news and conspiracy theories as they are of the mainstream. There's a lot of disinfo out there, a lot of shills, a whole hell of a lot of unprovable, unprovable and biased slander that's based on very little evidence, or at least very sensational and dubious evidence. And whether you like it or not, and whether you believe me or not, a good chunk of the reasoning for censorship and flagging and blocking people on social media is because that groups like QAnon were sharing a whole hell of a lot of bullshit that was being presented as absolute facts. And hundreds of thousands of people uh, were sharing this information without doing much research into it on their own, all in the name of reality TV personality Donald Trump. Can we not rationally understand how crazy that sounds? Half of the censorship going on with social media isn't just because of COVID, and that is a huge part of it, I know. But it's also because there really was a lot of bogus statements being shared thousands of times as truth and facts. If we're in a war of information, we need to deal in truth and facts as much as possible and present speculation and questions as what they are. Speculation and questions, not facts. I hope some people out there, I hope there's some of you out there who might be listening today who understand where I'm trying to come from with all this. Likewise, information is one step, but if we really want to step up and uh, make more of an impact, look into those non-for-profit groups that you believe to be genuine and that you trust is actually fighting against human trafficking and raising awareness about abductions and donate some money when you can. For me, I've donated a couple hundred bucks over the past uh, year or so to a few organizations that are in the fight against human trafficking and raising awareness. Uh, but the one uh, that I would endorse and promote the most as being the most legitimate or, uh, I don't know, grassroots, uh, trustworthy, in my opinion, is called truckersagainsttrafficking.org, 
which empowers the country's truck drivers with the tools they need to spot human trafficking and what to do uh, when they encounter human trafficking situations. Truck drivers are the eyes and ears of this country from coast to coast. There's probably nobody more likely to spot the signs of human trafficking than our nation's truck driving community. So I encourage everybody to go visit truckersagainsttrafficking.org. And if not that organization, find the one that your intuition is telling you is the most legitimate and donate some money here and there when you can. It's one thing to make posts and hashtags. It's another thing to actually get involved and support legitimate organizations who are on the front line in the fight against human trafficking. As they say, put your money where your mouth is if you can afford 10 or 20 bucks from time to time towards the cause. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. We made it. Uh, I encourage you all to go check out the new www.mentalpop.space for an archive of all of our previous episodes, as well as a new blog I've got going on over there. If you're feeling extra generous, you can check out geneticmemory.online, which hosts over 300 pieces of my original artwork, which is uh, available for purchase if you want to help to support this podcast. Uh, Likewise, you can find me on Facebook at mentalpop thirty one and our private group for discussion called Conspiracult on Facebook, or you can find me at MakeArtNotMemes on Instagram. Until next time, folks, I don't think that there's going to be an episode next week, but I hope everyone has a safe and happy Halloween. We'll be back in a couple weeks to hopefully take on uh, some subject matter that isn't as dark and depressing as today's episode. So until we meet again, thanks for listening, and peace profound. Peace profound.